Welcome to Season 5 of Talking Home Renovations with the House Maven. I'm your host, Catherine McPhail. I am an architect practicing in Massachusetts. My passion is old houses, new technologies, and sustainability. Previous seasons of this podcast have featured many vendors, subcontractors, architects, designers, covering many aspects of renovations and hiring professionals to help. In this season, I'll be focusing on collecting even more renovation stories because we can all learn from each other and I just can't resist talking to people about their houses. How many of us have dreamed about buying old houses and bringing them back to life and doing that for a living? That's my personal dream, so I enjoyed speaking with Laura LeBeau, who was doing just that. We talked about her three-pronged approach to her projects and what she's experienced along the way. Laurel's company is Sopo Cottage out of Portland, Maine. She has so much information in her blog and website at sopocottage.com. I'll have more of her information in the show notes. I admire her vision and her work. Here's my conversation with Laurel. I'm very intrigued by the change in your career. You moved a bunch of times. You renovated a number of houses, like nine houses. And then, and then you decided to go ahead and, and do that for your, for your work. You know, I spent 30 years in the corporate world and we moved all over the country. And every time we would move, we'd buy an old house and we'd fix it up mm-hmm. and really loved doing that. And my husband and I kept saying, gee, one of these days, it would be really cool if we could make that a full-time gig. So finally, at the ripe old age of 52, I said, let's do it. Let's go give it a try. So I did quit my job and we started this little company called Sopo Cottage. And we started buying small houses, usually around 1,500 square feet, and we would renovate them top to bottom, and then we'd put them on the market. So technically, you could call that flip. Yeah. I hate the word flip because that usually means cheap and awful, and we are just the opposite. We just try to completely breathe new life into old homes. Yeah, I don't like flipping. I don't even like the concept of flipping. It's kind of like just coating it with new paint and then... Just painting over the yogurt on the walls or whatever, not even really doing anything to improve the house. And and some of these some of these shows we call them the flippers, the people who have just done these things. And we just they're like you know uh, villains in our stories. That we just call <laughs> the flippers. I wonder if the flippers like to be called flippers. I think it, it's not a nice term. I don't. I don't think. feel it is a nice term. But some of them, I don't refer to themselves as house flippers. So yeah. maybe they they don't. Anyway, I have a question about your own houses that you worked on, and they were all over the country. Were they all old houses also? For the most part. The very first one that we did was a 1790s farmhouse that was Mm. in Maryland. Cool. Um, And we knew like nothing at that point in time. And that was before Google. So Mm -hmm. we would watch Bob Vila on this old house. And that's how we got (laughs) all of our skills. Good for you. Um, And we didn't have any money. So we just sort of figured everything out. Yeah, it was a little harder back before YouTube. It really was. And thankfully, my father was very, very good with electrical and plumbing and those kinds of things. So he was able to to give us some pointers. But a lot of it, you know, we just sort of learned on our own. Hmm. 1790s farmhouse in Maryland. So what was next? Did you rebel and go for a new house after that? We did. We bought a 1920s house in New Jersey Mm. and did a bunch of different updates to that. And then we moved to Phoenix and there really aren't many old houses in Phoenix. So that was sort of a a no renovation time period. Yeah. But another house that we did was a 1920s arts and crafts house. Oh, I love those. That was very, very close to Stickley's Craftsman Farms. Mm. So that was really a labor of love. And that house got lots and lots of changes to it over the years. And then here in Maine, we've done 
Oh, I think it's over 20 houses now that we've renovated. That is amazing. In only about 10 years or so? I saw, yeah. It's actually wow. been 12 years now. In fact, this is our 12th anniversary this month. Oh, well, happy anniversary. Thank so you. I noticed that you choose houses that are uh, were built between 1890 and 1960. So, I mean, obviously you have to choose something. How did you choose those dates? So we are called Sopo Cottage and Sopo stands for South Portland. Mm-hmm. And so we live in a little town in Maine that has a lot of old houses. In fact, Maine has the oldest housing stock in the country. Oh, really? There are a lot of old houses here. And we buy houses sort of depending on proximity, what we think we can do with them. For the most part, we buy the awful houses. We don't buy the cute little one that, you know, a young couple's going to get and be able to just do a couple little things and live in it. We buy the ones that, you know, someone has passed away and the family's so overwhelmed, they don't know what to do with it. And we mm-hmm. come in and say, just leave everything. We'll take care of it. Nice. So the, are you, you're the people behind the We Buy Ugly Houses billboards or? <laughs> <laughs> Not exactly. No, I'd like to meet them someday, though. So the one you're working on right now, you're calling it your temporary home. So are you living there while you're working on it? We, we are in what we call our temporary home while we're renovating an 1898 home that will be what my husband now says is our forever home. Okay, he's um, put his foot he down. Says, we are never doing this again. So we'll, we'll <laughs> see if that really works. At first, I had really hoped we could live in the 1898 home while we renovated it, but we have found so many issues with it. We just had to move out and we've essentially gutted the house. Mm. I feel like I'm on the precipice of doing that myself. So how did you, how did, what was the too, too much? What, what was the, was the line? When did you cross it? We, we knew that there was a big problem with, problem with a dormer on the back of the house. You could tell as you stood outside, you could see that it was coming down and the floors really sloped a lot. And as we opened it up, we discovered that lots of people did really foolish things over the years. They cut off structural members. They used joist hangers, cobbled onto a couple of different two-by-fours tied into some old two-by-six rafter to Mm. hold up the entire back of the house. Yeah. And then we noticed things that made us think that there was some rot. And as we kind of opened up some walls and looked, we discovered the sill on one entire side of the house was completely rotted. And at that point, we said, you know what? We really have to gut this whole building because we just don't know what other surprises there could be. And if this really is our forever house, we want to make sure we're going to fix everything once and for all. And we're not going to have to worry about doing that in a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So do you get tired of living through renovations or maybe um, your husband's a little tired of it? You know, for the most part, we don't live in a house that's going to be renovated for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and the flips, we always stay in our own home and then we renovate them completely and then just put them on the market. Right, right. So we're not living through all the chaos. We have done that. I will say when the kids were growing up, they thought it was perfectly normal to have a shop vac in one room (laughs) of the house because isn't that the way everybody lives? Isn't it though? I mean, it's not. And every weekend was spent doing a renovation project. That was just normal. Right. Well, I think it depends on what kind of family you live in. A lot of people would agree with you. Perfectly (laughs) normal. I see these people's houses that are perfectly, they look at least in photos, just perfectly painted or wallpaper and decorations and they're all beautiful. And I think, well, I get this feeling like that's beautiful, but then it's time for another project. That's the feeling I, I, right. what I get you when I look at that. I don't, what are you going to do? <laughs> Read a book or something? I don't know. Play checkers. Is there any house that you just loved working on that would just went 100% the way you were hoping it would go? What's the best case scenario for people who would be buying old houses? Best case scenario is if you can find a house that is structurally 
has very good integrity, but you're not going to find odd sloping floors and you're not going to find lots of rot somewhere. You know, electrical is a problem in many, many old houses, and that's something that you can certainly repair. Plumbing, you're probably going to want to do some updating of bathrooms or the kitchen anyway, so you're going to do that. But if you've got major structural problems, that that can be a big hiccup. And so I'll give you the example of the one we're working on right now. We discovered the sill was rotted, so we peeled back the floor, ended up having to take the entire floor up, discovered the floor joists, which are four by tens. I mean, we are talking ginormous floor joists. Yeah. Totally rot on the end. I don't know what was even holding that room up. And so we had to take all of that out. And we now are down into the crawl space. And we're going to actually jack the house up a little bit and put some some concrete block to really get it up off of the low spot so that it's not going to rot again in another 30 years. Mm -hmm. Okay. So it's just dirt underneath there in the crawl space? Yes. I yeah. I thought we would find some treasure and treasure could you know be a skeleton of some sort. Mm-hmm. Nothing. We found nothing in there, which was really a big surprise. That is disappointing. I mean, you think <laughs> if you're going to go through all that trouble to clean out a dirt crawl space, you know, you there should be some pay, payoff. Yeah, right. Have you ever found anything interesting in, in any of these projects? Like, did you ever find, I hear about people finding $50,000 taped to the side of the tub, for example. We... We found money once, and that was during demo, and it was in a dining room that had, you know, a drop ceiling, and the guys were pulling it down, and with the mouse poop that came down from the <laughs> ceiling, $400 also came down. Ooh. So that was very nice, and we actually returned <laughs> it to the, the previous owners, and, and they were very happy to get it. Um, <laughs> the most interesting one we found, it was a house that didn't have a bathroom upstairs. The bathroom, oddly enough, was in the kitchen. Um, but there were three bedrooms upstairs and a couple of them had been drywalled. And we pulled the drywall back and discovered that the room had been set up as a grow room. What? And this was back before marijuana was legal and before you could, you know, do all of this. It had a whole bunch of electrical outlets set up back there. Mm. And then they had a garden hose coiled up that was hanging on the wall. And I guess that way they could put all the grow lights, plug them all in, and then they were able to to water all of the plants. Well, how did you get into the, how did one get into the room? I think when they put it on the market to sell it, they said, yeah. we don't want anybody to know it's here. We don't want to take all this out. So they just built a fake stud wall and put drywall in front of it. No way. <laughs> that is so weird. I mean, that's just so, well, how big was the room? Was it just that portion of the room or was it? Yeah, it whole... was just a couple of feet. So oh. we didn't even notice it was sort of tucked back behind where the fireplace came up, the, the mm. flue came up. So it was back in that space and it was like, aha. Wow. Well, you just never know what people are doing in their houses. That's what I always, <laughs> sure. that's what I always say. Just this, there's something kind of fun about finding a secret, finding out of someone's secret in a way. If you were meeting someone who was buying maybe, let's say their first house to fix up, what would you, what would you tell them? What should they look for besides the structure? That's a good one. Right. So, so anytime I look at an old house, I really have sort of a three prong approach. First is you need to take care of anything that's a safety issue. Mm-hmm. So in our case, the structural issues truly were a safety issue. In many cases, a home has knob and tube wiring. Sometimes you can't even get insurance if you have knob and tube. And I guess my experience is if there's knob and tube, someone has done something stupid with the knob and tube somewhere We're in the so house. Right. They definitely have with <laughs> lamp wire or something crazy exactly. like that. Yeah. Um, so that there could be a fire potential. So you definitely want to look at that. 
and just understanding if there are any other really major structural type issues or safety issues that could be a problem. The second thing that you really need to look at is energy efficiency. So you need to have a really good plan for how you're going to insulate the home. You need to understand how you're going to air seal it. There are a whole lot of new code updates around a lot of that. And then you need to look at how you're going to heat and air condition. Mm -hmm. And you know, I've done a big change, I would say, over the last 12 years of that. Now I'm trying to electrify a lot more, going to heat pumps as much as we possibly can so that we really have something that's much more sustainable for the future yeah. as we're retrofitting these homes. Typically, they say anytime you pick some sort of a new heating source for a house, that's what's going to be in place for the next 30 years. So mm -hmm. a long-term decision that you're making. How do you choose the insulation? Because that's something that I debate with my friends, my architecture friends, about the best way to air seal and insulate an old house. Is it always necessary to gut, gut the house? It isn't. It, and it depends on the house, of course. There's differences in all of them. In many cases, if I'm doing kitchens and bathrooms, I'm going to open up the walls anyway so I can do a new electrical and plumbing so we can insulate that way. Right. But what I very frequently do, particularly if it's old lath and plaster, is we'll open up a section about a foot wide right at the middle of the wall, sort of a belly band kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, we'll cut through the, the lath and the plaster, a nice clean cut there. That allows us to dense pack insulate that particular wall. They'll put a webbing across that section. Mm. And then my drywall guy can come in and do a very nice clean drywall patch across that. I've done the old hoses and plugs and that type of thing over the years. But to be honest, those plugs just never seem to go in quite right. Yeah. And they never give you a nice clean seal. Mm -hmm. So I found this works a whole lot better. Okay. And also when you cut that band of the plaster out, you can also do electrical work at that time. It makes it easier to access that wall. Exactly. All right. This whole time, the last 12 years, you're on Instagram and Facebook. So do you have, have you built up a big community there? And do you have any interaction with them or... Do you have them over for open houses or anything like that? <laughs> I do. Um, I absolutely love posting kind of our entire progress of every project on both Instagram and on Facebook. I write a blog. I, that doesn't get read quite as much, I don't think. It's just easier for people to look at photos. But people love to see the transformation and what's going on. And by the time I get a house done, I always do an open house. Rarely does anyone buy a house from the open house. It's mostly people that have been following along that <laughs> want to see the after. Mm -hmm. um, and I also do a food drive for our local food cupboard as oh. part of that open house. I ask I like people that. to bring stuff, which is always a nice thing to do. Yeah, that's a good idea. A couple of times I've been able to do a before open house, and that's even more fun for people because they feel much more invested in it. But some of the houses that I buy just aren't safe enough to have a whole lot of people traipsing through them yeah. before. Yeah. Um, so that doesn't happen too frequently. Well, it's fun, though. It's, it's fun to have kind of a cheerleading section out there watching you. And people do ask lots of, lots of questions, lots of paint color questions. That's always a yes, hot they do. <laughs> <laughs> yep. They, a lot of paint color questions. So you do all the design yourself? I do. I do. I, and I, I feel badly saying this to an architect, but I don't okay. use architects. I, can, yeah, okay. um, I am a mechanical engineer. Mm -hmm. I have a rudimentary CAD program that I will do my drawings on. And then I go to my local lumber yard who will put it on their CAD system and then they can price out everything for me, give me all the beam sizes, et cetera. And then they can just deliver everything from that CAD drawing. So that works. it works very well. Yeah. No, I mean, just for the record, I don't think everybody needs to hire an architect. 
especially if you know what you're doing. I mean, one good reason would be you don't have time, inclination or knowledge to deal with the project yourself. And obviously you do. So, yes, this is yeah. this is my full time plus That's job. your job. Right, right. So you got your free three prong. Right. So we look at structural. Then you're going to look at energy efficiency. The third thing then is I start to look at how are you going to live in the house? And, you know, so many of these old houses, as we all know, have a lot of little compartmentalized rooms, yep. which doesn't necessarily work well with today's lifestyle. Right. So that's when I start thinking about, well, does it make sense to have this wall here or does it make sense where the kitchen is? Maybe it would work better at some other part of the house. Or this is even when we may look at, do we need to do some sort of a little addition or some sort of a gable dormer so we can gain enough headroom that that bedroom upstairs would really make sense? Right. But honestly, I don't look at that type of thing until I've really thought through the structural issues and kind of how we're going to improve the energy, overall energy efficiency. Well, that makes a lot of sense. I, on the other hand, jump right to, well, how could we make this really fun to live in? <laughs> How do you choose the 1890 to 1960? Do you just like that That's style just of building? The housing stock that's around me. Oh, okay. And the other little rule I have is I will not use the porta potty that's on the job site. So I have to be able to get to home to go to the bathroom. <laughs> I do not blame you. I do not blame you. That is a very good, that's just a standard of life sort of thing for me. Like I'm not going to use that thing. Uh, I'm I'm with you. So that that's the other thing. So I stay typically within about a two mile radius. <laughs> really, a two mile radius of your of your wherever you're living. Right. Wow, and that's great. And we have, like I said, a lot of old houses here in Maine. Yeah. How did you choose Maine of all places? Um, I had actually come up here for a job. Um, I worked for a company called IDEX and had never been to Maine. My husband's born and raised in New Orleans. So as you can mm. imagine, Maine is a big change. Yeah. Does he like it? And we came up here and absolutely loved it. It's just a fabulous place to live. It is. It is. Maine is really great. The only other thing that I would say when, when you're renovating an old house, I really think it's important that it stay within the style of the rest of the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you have to used to read the old house journal, but mm -hmm. remember in the very back of it, they always had the picture of the remodeling example. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, you know, how you can really mess up an old house. To me, it's really important that whatever the finished product is, that it still looks like it belongs in that neighborhood and that it always has. Yeah. Um, we've had a bunch of houses torn down recently, and they've been replaced with these very boxy things that I think are very trendy right now. But they just look really odd next to all of these cute little arts and crafts bungalows mm -hmm. and, and cute little cottages. So I agree. It's just something that, that I really think is important that people think about when they start to renovate an old house. I agree, because it's the fabric of the neighborhood as well as the house itself. So you're Absolutely. changing the neighborhood for everybody, depending on what yeah. you do to the house. You're either improving it for everybody or making people feel a little bit sad when they walk by your house. Yes, and, and hopefully we're not doing that. <laughs> yeah, hopefully we're not. Hopefully we're not in the list of people who are making people sad. Yeah. So I'll give you an example. The house that we're working on right now is a very plain house, but it has these really cool wooden gutters that are falling apart. Mm -hmm. And I'm trying to figure out what we do. Everyone says, absolutely don't put up wooden gutters. They're just a nightmare to maintain. They cost a fortune to put in. Forget about it. Mm. But they're like the only architectural detail on this house. They, they go around every corner. You know, they've got nice shape to them. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm trying to figure out what can I do that make this not look like a new house. I think if I just put normal, regular new gutters, it's never going to look nice. Yep. Maybe if I go with copper gutters, that would look nice, but that's probably going to cost a fortune. Yeah. 
So, you know, trying to figure out how can I keep that old house look, but I need something that's going to, you know, take the water away. And so we don't have a wet foundation. So right. those are the kinds of challenges that you run into a lot. Right. I told you we've had we've had a lot of gutter discussions over the years, my husband and I. So, yeah, I know there's lots of factors, but I think you're right that if it's if the thing that was special about your house was the wooden gutters, even though they're gutters. And so you might think it's not a very important system. It does does change the look of the house quite a lot. It does. It adds to the character of it. It really does. It definitely does. Like we had wood. We had wood downspouts here and we're in the middle of repainting our house. It's just apparently going to take nine years. And um. (laughs) So those are down and they're rotten, of course, but I feel like they really need to go back up. They're just the square things with a piece of trim at the top and the bottom. But to me, it makes so much difference than just having that. Cost is always a factor. Do you have a do you have a budget like a strict budget for these or how do you keep things from getting out of control? So I have this very complicated spreadsheet that I use for every single house. I come up with a budget every single time. And no, I've never stuck to the budget. Mm -hmm. So when you're in the business I am, which is essentially flipping a house, it means my profit margin is nowhere near what anybody else's margin would be. But the house is really gorgeous when we get it done and we've taken care of all of the things behind the walls. And to me, that's just so much more important than what my overall ROI is. And, and that might be the advantage of this being a second career for me. Right. I'm not quite as worried about, about making huge sums of money. Well, you know, honestly, that would make me want to buy your the houses that you work on, make make me want to buy them because I mean a lot of people who are flipping houses are looking at their like what kind of massive profit they can make by you know painting the brick instead of repointing it or something like that whatever it may be I feel the same way like I just want to fix the houses and as long as I don't lose money I'll be happy I think exactly and and one time we were upside down and couldn't sell it and so we've kept that as a rental and i think we actually made more money with it as a rental over the years than if we had you know sold it at a loss or near break even yeah the houses of uh southern maine or a very specific area of southern maine (laughs) well thank you the future the future inhabitants of all those houses i think that's great to me it's so important to keep the fabric of the community like together and right standing so do you have a favorite architectural style? I have always just loved kind of, I guess what you would call vernacular architecture, but just the things that people made. Well, of course, I love arts and crafts. I love Queen Anne's. I love old houses, generally speaking. A house that's the age of my house, like a late 1700s house. I I love it for its sloping floors and it's kind of the doors that are like this to the ground. Right. And you know, there's something kind of charming and to me homey about that but probably because i grew up in houses like that i just love i just love the craftsmanship of when i can tell that somebody's built something by hand i don't know i just i just love kind of quirkiness i guess and kind of unexpected unexpected areas and places where you can take like read a book when it's raining you know stuff like that right i mean a couple of the houses that i've done they have the old telephone nooks oh, you know, i love those in the 1940s. yeah i always maintain those because there's just a charm to it. And nowadays I put a phone, a connection for a phone charger to put in there. So at least <laughs> good it's idea. got the potential to have that kind of purpose still. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, those kind of quirky little things you're never going to find in a new home. And the old houses just have so much charm. Yeah, that's no, true. And I love that people have written on the walls sometimes in those in those telephone rooms. Yes. You know, they have yes. like someone's phone numbers up there, you think. Oh, and it's only four numbers. So, you know, it's from a long time ago. Ivanhoe 6593 or something, you know, the way they used to do it. Anyway. Well, so how could people get in touch with you or follow your 
your progress? Um, if they're on Instagram or Facebook, it's Sopo Cottage. Um, and then I do do a blog, SopoCottage.com, not hard to find. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I try to give all kinds of updates. The 1898 house is sort of dominating what we're doing right now. But I'm also, this this might be interesting, I'm working with Habitat for Humanity. We're oh, right. starting to put together a series of women build days mm. so that women get a chance to go out and really learn what it takes to build a house and get to use power tools and all that kind of thing. Love that. Um, and that's something that, that I think is really exciting and people are, are loving the opportunity to do that. Definitely. So how can people learn more about that? Many Habitat for Humanity organizations across the country do those, and they are called Women Build. Um, so I would check with your local Habitat and see what they have available. Here in Greater Portland, we just published a whole bunch of new dates today, actually, um, that women can sign up for. Well, that's awesome. It's only about three hours from me to Portland. Come on up for a day. It's great fun. I should, yeah. I really appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much. This was great. I'm inspired by you. Thanks for listening to the podcast. I wouldn't be able to do this without you, the listener. I invite you to join me on Instagram at Talking Home Renovations, where we are building up a friendly community. Other ways to get in touch are in the show notes, including the weekly newsletter that includes photos from the episodes. It's kind of worth signing up for that. Talking Home Renovations with Alice Maven is proud to be a member of Gable Media, the most engaged AEC network on the planet. If you're into architecture, check out what the network has to offer at gablemedia.com. That is G-A-B-L-M-E-D-I-A dot com. Until next time, take it easy.